Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Don't you know, pump it up, the Whites are going up. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your award-winning voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James. Thank you for listening to the show today. We're going to be looking back at Saturday's huge win over Leeds as everybody's hero, Josh Onema, came through with a thunder bastard to win it for the Whites in the second half. And here on Christmas Eve Eve to spread some festive cheer with me is Ben Jarman. Tech like Onema, sick like cholera. Jack Kelly. Good evening. And Guy Barlow. Up the Fulham. Well, uh, a pretty positive weekend. We'll also be looking ahead to the Boxing Day match against Luton. The game's coming thick and fast over Christmas. Just firstly from me, uh, thank you for all the lovely messages and support uh, since we won the Club Podcast of the Year Award last Monday, uh, a week ago today, Ben. Um, Massive night. The glory days indeed. Uh, It was a lovely evening and just to echo kind of Dom's words that he said on the midweek podcast, um, we genuinely could not have done it without you listeners getting involved like you do every single week, getting behind uh, initiatives that we support such as the ticket price process, etc. So thank you very much. Um, You've been great from day one and no doubt hopefully Fulhamish will get bigger and better in 2020 and we'll be getting you guys more and more involved as we do. But enough of us. Uh, Let's get some three word reviews uh, from Saturday. Ben, what are they saying? There's some really good ones. All of them or most a large majority of them are centered around Josh Onoma. Um, so we'll start with Fulamato, who said Jingle Bell Josh. Okay. Uh, our friend Tom Greatrix says Read, Read, Result. Uh, Fulham DSA says Marching Onomar Together. <laughs> and we'll finish with Andrew Sherman, who says Hunting Onomatic Promotion. Very, very nice. Well, we've had lots of Onomar three-word reviews in the past few weeks, and they've been pretty negative, uh, to be honest. So it's nice uh, to get a bit of a change. Um Jack, I'll start with you. Uh, the lineup was pretty good reading from a Fulham perspective. Read and read, back in the side, and what a difference they make. Yeah, I was so relieved to see Read and Read back in the team because... <laughs> relieved. relieved. To, yeah, exactly. Um, to see them back in the team because obviously I think one of the factors of why we've lost the last three games is because of their absence. And um, I think Oromar warranted a start um, given a performance at Brentford was probably one of the most positives we saw out of the eleven. And yeah, but I kind of went in thinking this could be four defeats in a row following four wins in a row. But um, no, we started really well and and Mitrovic caused so many problems uh, throughout the whole game. And, you know, it just kind of proves that even if he doesn't score and yet he scored a penalty, but doesn't make much of a goal scoring impact on the game. He can still make such an impact on the game, you know, at both ends of the pitch. And obviously that last minute... um, header off the line was was absolutely fantastic so I I really enjoyed Saturday I thought it was one of my favourite games so far this season Yeah and Mitrovic at the heart of it all he seemed bang up for it from minute one guy and well he was involved in the penalty win wouldn't say it was really down too much to Mitrovic I think in the hammy end we all thought it was a handball at first um, turns out it was a push on Bobby Reed, and you can quite clearly see from the replay that when the Leeds players are questioning why it's a penalty, the, the referee is indicating that it's a push. It's, it's not a handball. Um, 
We put it out on our Twitter yesterday and said, is it a penalty? Of course, most people came back saying, who the, who the fuck cares? <laughs> <laughs> we won and it's a penalty. But still, interesting debate because, okay, put your... If that had been given against us, would you have been happy? Well, I think... It's one of those ones where there are two hands on the back, aren't there? And if it's got like, if it happens anywhere else in the pitch, like even from a goal kick and there's two hands on the back, you'd expect to be, it to be given. And it's one of those ones where that, that tired old cliche, you know, if it's outside the box, it's given. And it just happened to be in the box and it was given. So I think it was absolutely fair that it was um, a penalty. So you'd have been happy if that had been given against us Well, obviously not because it would be a penalty against Fulham, but you know, like, <laughs> um, I don't think we could have too many complaints, really, no. Ben? I think it's a very soft penalty. I think if it was given against Fulham, I'd probably be out of my seat and not particularly happy. But obviously it's for us and it's against Leeds, so you're, you're buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is one of those things you love to see it. I'd have loved yeah. it if it had been a complete ghost penalty, to be honest, <laughs> as long as it gave us the lead like it did on Saturday. And for me, it does kind of prove that things do come around in the end because we were so fuming after the Bristol City. Me and you together were on that full time, yep. Ben, and we and we were so livid with with it. Jeremy Simpson. Yes, Jeremy. I vowed to never forget his name for as long as I lived, and actually, two weeks later, I couldn't remember if that was definitely his name. Um, but yeah, things do sometimes come around positively. Yeah, completely. Uh, like football's a weird sport in that the karmas are every baseball every obstacle you overcome is some sort of luck but we definitely got the the rub of the green in this game and we were talking before we came up to record the podcast about that penalty that we conceded against Brighton last season where Mitrovic handled the ball all by himself and you're sort of thinking well that's a really soft penalty but it's one you have to give and I think it's probably comes into that same category where it is soft but it is a penalty and what a penalty from Mitrovic Jack it was an absolute yeah he smashed it. <laughs> no, it's 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 a terrible pen. It's awful. Like he doesn't actually get good connection on it, and you know, Casilla helped it onto the post, which then rolled across the line. And you know, from from where I was standing, I, I wasn't confident. No, 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 for it. I don't know. Maybe it's just because we've had such a poor penalty. No, Casilla obviously he like made himself look big, and I think yeah, he did well to get down to it. But thank God it went in. Otherwise, uh, it would have been a pretty poor start from us. Well, I've always had this kind of existential question of is is a good penalty a good penalty just because, just of the fact that it goes in you know no well i think it, it really is anno- <laughs> it really annoys it really annoys me it's, it's like saying no it really is that clean cut isn't it it no, is, no, it isn't. Guys it, isn't. Right. it isn't. What so if i score if i hit a shot from 30 yards and the keeper lets it through his legs is that a good shot no. Yes, it's gone in. Well done. You took a shot and that's positive. But that doesn't... Penalty's different, isn't it? Penalty's different. No, it's, it's not. It is. It is. If, if you hit it straight down the middle and it bumbles in off his legs and hit both posts on the way in, that's not a good penalty. It is. It's, it's gone well, in. It is because you've gone one off. It's, no. It's a good outcome. That's what you want. You've got lucky. You should. There shouldn't be an element of luck in it. I mean, whatever. It's, it's a pointless debate. He's from, a pe- from a penalty, it's either you score or you don't. If you score... I felt as though luck was on our side for the whole 90 minutes you know it wasn't a stonewall penalty and it wasn't a stonewall good finish from Mitrovic and yet we still came away with three points we still came away with the goal to take us ahead against ID arguably the best team in the league so you know I think there was an element of luck on our side I mean Leeds had their chances and I definitely think that they were impressive for, for large swathes of the game. Especially, though, in the first half, I was never overly concerned that Leeds were going to get back into it. 
I didn't think actually there was a huge amount of chances on either side, really. And maybe had it not been for an early goal, this could have been a this could have very easily been a nil nil. Yeah, and it was a very scrappy game throughout. Um, you know, we had the Luke Ayling push in. in uh, into Kearney and on the touchline which somehow wasn't given as a booking and then we had Joe, Joe Bryan get pushed over and get booked like a few minutes later it was like everything you associate with Leeds in terms of you know little nibbly fouls and little pushes off the ball and whatever but like you said Leeds had two big chances in the first half right where Rodak came and made itself big and then a couple of minutes later they, they hit the post but I wasn't overly impressed with them to be honest I, they didn't seem like a team who were second in the league. I know they were like nine, 12 points ahead of us before the game. So they didn't really ha- If they lost, it's not the end of the world because they're still nine points ahead. But I've heard so much about Calvin Phillips and his best man in championship and that's just no. <laughs> and Mitrovic had the two centre-backs in his, in his back pocket all game. Pablo Hernandez getting injured after three minutes though was definitely a big blow for Leeds. He's not the player that gets the most amount of goals or no. even assists, but he's quite crucial in the way that they link he links the team together and yep. for, for to, to lose any player after three minutes really scuppers your plans well he's one of those guys that under a in a Bielsa system as you say he, he rightly links everything together and when you lose that linchpin in in that system and you get someone that understands how to play so well and you lose him early then it's always going to be a massive kick um, in the wrong direction for you so yeah it hurt Leeds and I don't think they came out or they weren't as slick as they normally are as a result of his injury. Um, I like Hernandez. I think he's a great player and he's just signed um, a really long extension with them despite being, I think he's like 34 now. Mm. And he's been over here for a very long time and to be honest, I was a bit surprised when I, when he went to Leeds after uh, dropping down the division. I thought he might have found his way back into Spanish top flight but he's done really well for Leeds and is their talisman. And then second half, Jack, uh, Leeds brought in Ketia on and as he's done so many times for Leeds this season made a pretty much instant impact the closing down on him for the goal uh from from Tim Ream on that left hand side again um was pretty poor and and it fell to Bamford who so nearly messed it up um but it it is it it was good play from Inketia but once again you just feel like Ream isn't closing down his man enough it, it was a good pass to find him actually in the first place. Um, I think it might have been Alioski who found the ball to Niketia who found the space. And actually, what frustrated me about the goal we conceded was just before we had a chance with Caballero and he was messing around with the ball outside the box and then gave the ball away and, and then that's when Leeds struck. And yeah, Bamford almost messed it up from what, three or four yards out. But um, disappointing way to concede. But Niketia has been such a threat off the bench for Leeds this season. He's made such an impact and he's a good signing for them on loan from Arsenal. But, you know, it was disappointing to get pegged back, but our reaction was fantastic. Yeah, and, and because I was fully expecting Fulham to fold at this point, I thought we did well to get ourselves in front, but Leeds have got themselves back into this match. Quite often this season, Leeds have managed to come from one goal behind. We saw it uh, at Luton uh, a, a couple, maybe a month ago now, where they were one down with not that long left at all and then they came back to win 2-1 I fully saw that being the outcome there but we reacted very very well to going back level terms and again didn't carve out an enormous amount of chances but just kept leads at bay and kept doing what we were doing and it was one of those games where the next goal won and unfortunately obviously that did come our way yeah absolutely and we spoke earlier about uh, Mitrovic, just but he was the very definition of leading from the front in this game, wasn't he? Like he 
absolutely chased down everything and won the, the corner that eventually led to the Onuma goal. Um, he really seemed like a class part in this game. And <laughs> I don't know, I was thinking at the end, we're just so lucky to have him. It's ridiculous. Um, where, would it be, where would we be without him? He just brings so much. Yeah, and let's come on to the goal, Ben. I was delighted to see Josh Onuma get this. I, I was getting a few pelters on, on Saturday night and, and a few people were over the weekend um, saying that Fulhamish has been really on his back. And whilst I don't think we've been here heaping praise on Josh Onuma, and I feel like we've been giving him fairly fair criticism, I also don't think we've been endlessly on his back. And actually on the last podcast, if you listen to myself and Jack after the Brentford game, we said... Yes, Josh Onuma wasn't brilliant and he made some mistakes, but he's not the biggest problem here. So I found it personally quite odd that we seem to get so many pelters. And, and you should look at our lineup when we put it out on Saturday. Mm. And it wasn't people going mostly, oh, I'm glad Reed and Reed are back. It's still people taking pelters at Josh Onuma. So yeah. I found it quite weird that we're the ones suddenly that are getting the blame um, <laughs> for giving him pelters. I was delighted to see him get a goal and a bit like when Bobby Reed opened his account for Fulham it is a monkey off his back and I think that he can push on here because I think it, it might just be a, a door opening for him that actually you can succeed in a Fulham shirt and, and not just the goal he was impressive throughout with Reed to cover for that whole midfield yeah I thought that probably Reed coming back gave Onum a more license to be to play like himself and to play like the player that we know he can be and and was for Spurs and Villa and and in parts for Sheffield Wednesday but I thought this this week we saw more of him being more physical um, and using his body to shield the ball in a lot of areas and he won possession back a, a number of times which is really pleasing for us to see he's sort of he seems to be shaking the rust off very slowly but surely over the past few weeks. I think it's that run of consistency, getting back up to, to match fitness, understanding what he needs to do in the system. And obviously when the ball drops to him there, there's only one thing on his mind and he just wants to hit it as hard as he can. Um, you, you can see in the celebration, and, and what a celebration it is, by the way, that knee slide is 10 out of 10. Like how much it, it meant to him to, to be out there and to score for Fulham. And I, like... I think it's a testament to the character of the player when you see players afterwards come out in support of that player. So mm. obviously in this case it's Onoma. There's there's players that are, are commenting on his Instagram profile saying like it's about time. People on Twitter saying like it couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. Um, and you really do hope that he can push on from there. And actually I think there, there could be despite all the flack that he's had from the Fulham fans or uh, and from various outlets, like there could be a good player in there. And I think there, there really will be one. And um, you can see it coming slowly but surely. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the really important point you made there was about his physicality. Like he, we really saw it for the first time in this game and it helped that he had Reed and Kearney. And, you know, we, we spoke a lot about Johansson playing in that eight role. And then even it came out on him, I saying he, that's his favorite position as well. Yeah. And so tactically it suited him and he really did like, you know, you use his frame. Like he's, he's a big guy and athletically he, he can boss games in the midfield and he should absolutely be doing that more. Well, yeah, his Instagram post that he posted of himself celebrating after the game, the caption was, they keep doubting, but I never give up. And it's clear from that caption that he's probably aware of, of some of the negativities surrounding his performances. And look, as much as I don't like to be negative about a player, he has put in some 
poor games. Up until he got subbed off against Middlesbrough, he wasn't great. But it is difficult for him coming into this side. And also, I think he was always going to be a bit of a victim of the way he joined Fulham. Because not many players arrive at a club and aren't celebrated at all, really. But he was the part of a deal where we lost one of our greatest youth talents in a generation. And he seemed like a bit of an afterthought. It seemed like Daniel Levy just rummaging around the back kitchen and seeing what he could offer us as well. And that was always going to be a tough environment for him to come into, never minding that he actually hasn't played all that much quite recently. And this is a new club and a big start for him and his first permanent transfer as a young footballer. Yeah, and I think that he's been partly unlucky. Obviously, the Rodak red card forced him basically off the pitch and, and, and that's not going to do his confidence any good. But I'm glad that Parker's, you know, in hindsight, I'm glad that Parker's stuck with him so that he can build up that consistency in his performances and they have got better and better. Obviously, at Brentford last uh, last week, he was okay. And then, of course, this week he comes up with the goal and he gets the, the, the deciding factor in the game and, and now the fans are going to be on his side. So I think that Josh Onomar has, has battled through some tough you know, times and, and mentally it must be quite challenging knowing that you are, you know, the scapegoat of the club. Um, but, you know, after his winner against Leeds, I fully expect him to kick on now. And, and if he plays that two-man midfield with uh, with Harrison Reed on, on, on Boxing Day, I'll be very happy. He also came into a congested midfield, mm. Ben. Very much so. And has benefited a little bit from the injury crisis that we've seen because it really allowed him a chance to have a run of games. And... Maybe I wouldn't say he fully grasped it at first, but he's stuck in there. And then now, I don't necessarily think he's going to get dropped all that quickly for for the upcoming Christmas games. Well, no, I don't. And Scott really believes in him. You can tell that. Well, yeah, it's always nice when you have a coach that believes in one of your players. And especially for someone like Onoma, who's had a little bit of a tough time of it. It's nice to know that you've got your manager backing you and he's not going to drop you at the, you know, at the drop of a hat. So... I think it's good for Onoma and we're coming up to the most important period in the whole of the football calendar at the moment which is going to be a, a big handful of games across a very short space of time and it's important that you rotate your squad well and if you've got a number of players coming into form which you hope Onoma is and you've got players coming back from injury like Reed and hopefully soon Arta and a couple more then you know it's only it's only going to benefit the club. Uh, Let's come on to the tactical battle between Bielsa and Parker. This was something much talked about, not just in the build-up to this game. I feel like we've been using the Parker versus Bielsa argument as a talking point ever since Parker was almost appointed and we knew we were going to be in the championship. It was always the example used. It was always the, well, Scott Parker is going to have some tough managerial batters. How is he going to manage against Marcelo Bielsa? No one was ever going, how's Scott Parker going to face up against Gary Rowett? Or how's Scott Parker (laughs) going to face up against Lee Bowyer? It was always Marcelo Bielsa. And, And after the game, this is what... Parker said he said Leeds are the most athletic powerful team that we see but the most structured and patterned team as well the movements they make are very scripted we studied Leeds for many games all week we drilled their movements to understand what was coming to know the movements when the ball went in certain places he also talked about how the only real free man on the team would be the centre-back so that allowing Ream to be the the ball carrier through through into midfield was essential as he was basically the free man on the pitch 
it goes a lot against what we've been saying about is Parker just throwing players on the pitch without a plan? It didn't appear like on Saturday he was throwing players on the pitch without a plan. I'm not saying he pulled off an absolute masterstroke. He completely out-engineered Marcelo Bielsa and there wasn't an element of luck in there. But it did look like Fulham went out onto the pitch on Saturday with the semblance of an idea of what we were going to try and do to outmaneuver this team we had in front of us. Yeah, and... We did look like that. I think we set up quite well. I mean, there was clearly some sort of semblance to a counter for a lot of what Bielsa um, manages his team and, and how he sets them up. And actually, for those of you that have listened and you know it yourself, Sammy, but I've followed Bielsa for a long time and I think he's an absolute genius and still do. But he is, Parker is right in that Bielsa teams and Bielsa in particular is scripted and his teams are very scripted they hold a very rigid formation although it looks in theory to be quite fluid because you get players that that move everywhere essentially what he does on the pitch is every single one of those players has a zone they have to operate in and when the when the ball moves up the pitch so does the zone and as you rightly say the only three man ever that in a Bielsa system is a centre half of his team and the opposing team one thing that I read when I first started understanding who Bielsa was was that he has a combination of 31 moves that he believes can win a football match. It'll be literally 31 passing combinations or, form- or formation combinations that he believes can win a football match. And every single one of those 31 formations or passing combinations has a counter. So he will drill his team incessantly on combinations, quick combinations, one-twos here and there. And how to get the most out of his formation. His formation is one that isn't really used ever. It's a three-one-three-three formation, and the the full and the centre halves basically act as fullbacks as well. Really strange formation. He used to play it with Athletic Club, and he got him all the way to Europa League final. But the scripting thing that Parker says is right. He he drills his team on thirty-one combinations and thirty-one combinations alone. You will get some variation. Obviously, it's football, but yeah, it is. It can be at, at times very predictable, and this is why his teams burn out quite a lot because they they're so well drilled that they they have very little variance. So, do you believe Parker that he really matched up his team to what Bielsa did and, and outmaneuvered? Bielsa because that's kind of what Parker was insinuating he said he has the utmost respect and I think he tried to mean it in a respectful way he's just saying what they did well it's really hard to disrespect a manager that is on every other manager's list of influence so like Pochettino Guardiola they all love Bielsa and, and rightly so he's a he still is a genius despite not having ever won that many trophies but I wouldn't be surprised if him Parker and the, and, the, and the analysis team did sit down and just watched hours upon hours of tape and found that there were you know correlations between certain moves and certain players doing certain things in in areas because that's how he trains the team but guy we played brentford seven days ago and we can all watch hours and hours of tape of how brentford play and okay more the genius behind brentford isn't necessarily how they set up it's more their club and their um, purchasing and then their transfers and their selling and all of that but we went into that game looking utterly clueless like there wasn't any idea did Parker only watch tapes for leads or is there an element of luck in this as well if we we could have easily I feel like the way that Saturday's game gone we could have easily lost 2-0 as easily as we won 2-1 it was an even balanced game and we took our chances 
I don't want to criticise a winning manager. Well done, Scott. You got it right. But also, I, I, don't, I just don't know how much I'm, I can buy it at, at the same time. Well, I guess part of it's motivation, right? Like, we knew Leeds were coming to town. We knew they're above us in the league. Um, and there is this kind of aura around uh, Bielsa and his current Leeds team that we all know we need to get, have to get ourselves up for. <laughs> I, I, I do think, particularly in the Championship, it does really come about that, doesn't it? When you've got three games in a week as Brentford was the third game of that week, maybe you can't prepare as well as you would when you get a full seven days for the Leeds game. Um, I, yeah, but you're right in terms of an element of luck. Like I said earlier, I don't think Leeds were up for it as much as they normally are. Um, yeah. And I don't want like, to diminish our performance in terms of that. But um, it was also such a departure from what we've seen at Fulham the last few years, wasn't it? And that might take some getting used to um, for us as fans because... When have we before been talking about us setting up to suit another team? You know, when we were in the championship under Slab, it was always us. We're going to play our way and we're going to beat you doing playing that way. Yeah. We're not going to change our style for anyone. And we did that all game on Saturday, um, which is, it worked. So fair play, but it's not something we're used to in the championship in the past few years. Well, yeah, our identity seems to be changing week by week, Jack. And on Saturday, we were utilising the long ball to Mitro much more than we ever really have, apart from under Ranieri. And we, we, we know how that went down. But Parker is chopping and changing it each week to suit the opponent to a point. I, I can't work out if we've been really harsh on Parker or if we had it spot on and Saturday's anomaly. That's what I can't work out in my own mind. I think it's spot on. I think Parker got it spot on because Leeds are a team who creates so many chances per game and we stifled Leeds for the best part of 90 minutes. They probably had four or five clear chances when maybe in a different game against a different opposition they would have had double or triple that. So I think we did an absolute job on them. I think Mitrovic was integral into, into like bullying the back two. I think Bobby Reid was sensational down the down the sides trying to you know get the ball into the corner and you know play around the little one twos and and then obviously in midfield we kind of dominated well not didn't dominate but Harrison Reid was good he held the play well and I think I think I think Saturday was not an anomaly I think we actually did play very well and we did we deserved the three three points I think it's all about factors really isn't it you have to look at every game in isolation and see what has affected it I think Reed coming back in gave our midfield a lot more freedom, especially yeah. the creative players, because there's you look at someone like Kenny, he's not going to want the responsibility to sit deep against Leeds. He'll get run or run all over the shop. So Reed coming back in really helped that. And then Mitrovic against Brentford looked like he had you know, he must have stunk because there was no one around him at all. And then you look at this game and Bobby Reed was around him. You get Kenny around him quite a lot, and he becomes more and more effective. He's not. We would love to see it, and you you love strikers that can do this. But there's only a very small handful of strikers that can play alone for 90 minutes and be effective. Yeah. Well, I, I think we just kind of have to see it as as we go. I've come to the opinion now that I've I've been changing my mind of Parker in, Parker out. I think I've now come to the conclusion. Uh, I'm certain, barring. A miracle kind of either way that uh, I think Parker now till the end of the season I don't know what difference changing it now is going to do and I think a lot of people use West Brom as the example last season but West Brom changing their manager has been positive this season it wasn't positive 
last season. It didn't help them get promoted. They still got into the playoffs and lost on a penalty, penalty shootout. Maybe having Darren Moore in there may have been the difference between West Brom getting to the playoff final or not. So that, that's that's my opinion. And and I feel like you can look at this now with half the season gone, Guy. you We've played every single team once we're now going into that second half of the season where where do you stand on Fulham as a whole um would you make a change do you think transfers are needed what what is your call just looking at the general kind of health of the club and our chances of actually getting what we want which is promotion at the end of the season well I think that um others made this point as well which is that as long as we're in the playoffs I don't think they're going to to get rid of Parker basically um, because as long as we have that route available to us and as you said barring a you know proper fall it would be pretty remarkable if we didn't get playoffs and I think it would be a, a, you know, obviously a, a total failure um, but talking about Parker the real test of him will be the next three or four games you know it's as I've said it's easy to get up for like a Saturday home against Leeds um, but away at Luton where there's not going to be hours of tapes on them is there that you can, that you can, that you can um, look at I think there's that stat that is still our best start to a season in the championship which is just remarkable to think about and you know as you said halfway through there's still a long way to go <laughs> um, and it, from now on it's about motivation it's about getting up for every single game and going on a bit on a big winning run like Villa did last year and actually putting ourselves right up around Leeds and West Brom because who knows they might fall away so we just need to keep up the pace as much as possible there is there is so much potential for this Fulham side there's 23 games to go we've got Luton Reading Stoke next three games um, real chance to pick up nine points minimum seven uh, with the squad we've got with the players coming back into the squad as well I fully believe we're still on for top two um, really yeah, fully believe it. Because well, I, I like that because I think we need to have, we need to have, that, have, have that bit of arrogance yeah. about us. Like we, we don't need to have that enough. You know, yeah, like exactly. we need to be more confident and actually realise, look at the squad. We should be beating every team in the championship. Of course we should. This Christmas period what? is quite crucial when you look at Leeds' fixtures, Preston, Birmingham, West Brom and our three fixtures. If Fulham did get nine points and Leeds drops even two or three points yeah, we'd be that. within four or three points and it, it's ridiculous to write us off already when there's half the season gone and also I'd like to make another point that um, do you remember when we lost to Sunderland 1-0 and then the next week we beat Barnsley 2-1 yeah. lost to Brentford 1-0 lost uh, and then the next week we beat Leeds 2-1 so I'm fully behind that we're going to go 23-24 games exact same game week as well exactly isn't it? yeah exact same game week exact same score lines it's going to happen again Ben are you as confident what was your general thoughts I don't know <laughs> so like I'm still really undecided. I can't tell if Fulham are good or bad. Like, I really cannot tell. Um, you know, we're so streaky at the moment. It reminds me of Bristol City over the last few years where you're like, are they good or are they bad? Are they really good or are they really bad? And at the moment, I don't know. Um, I guess if you look at the statistics, if you just double our tally in points that we've got so far, um, at the end of the season, we'll have uh, 76, which is not normally enough for playoffs. Or have I just made a big? No, I think, well, I think you're normally you're normally in and around there. playoff. But you're in and around. And I, I do feel like this team, as as Guy and Jack rightly say, they have all the talent to go all the way to the very top of this division. But are we going to showcase it enough after this uh, over the second half of the season to get to that promised land? And like I feel like we do need a couple of reinforcements come January, especially you're looking at fullbacks, you're looking at um, other strikers, you're looking at a couple more positions on that on the pitch, and we've still got a centre half to come in that can hopefully shore us up a little bit. But I do 
I do feel like this squad's got a huge amount of potential, but we're just not seeing it just yet. Yeah. I think our experience will come into it as well. The fact that Reem and Kenny were part of that promotion side. And I know, I'm not saying that Leeds are going to bottle it like normal. <laughs> but you'd <laughs> but, love to. <laughs> but, 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 but they don't have that promotion experience, you mm. know? And this West, West Brom's team is really young as well. So who knows what that kind of pressure could do to those two teams, whereas we've been there and done it. And, and that is really important. Well, undoubtedly, the next three games are going to be crucial. We'll take a quick look at Luton Town next. And then we'll answer some of your questions. Would you like the latest Fulham breaking news straight to your phone? I thought you might. If so, sign up to the Fulhamish WhatsApp channel and you'll receive regular match day updates, transfer updates, breaking FFC news and podcast alerts. It's 100% free and you can opt out at any time if you want. To sign up, go to fulhamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp and follow the instructions. That's fulhamish.co.uk forward slash WhatsApp. Hello, welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Ben Jarman. Hello, hello. Jack Kelly. Good evening. And Guy Barlow. Hi. Jack, I'm so sorry that um, moving the record time of this podcast earlier meant that you had to abandon um, your, what was it, your double session of Mario Kart? A Mario Kart Double Dash on GameCube. Okay. Um, GameCube. Yeah. Wow. Retro. <laughs> I was uh, I was feeling a bit retro. I've been playing it for the last couple of days. I was first in a... In a um, 16 race Grand Prix I've got about four races to go and hopefully I can make it to the top Good and, man. and win the title <laughs> well done and um, I was uh, nice the guy, to- the guy on the way in laughed at me because I've got a Nintendo Switch in my bag why would he laugh at that he was like what's that in your bag I was like Nintendo Switch he was just like laughing at me under his breath <laughs> outrageous yeah two days before Christmas as well do so you know I've got eight gym badges in Pokemon Sword <laughs> <laughs> um, and always nice to give uh, the YouTube stuff you do a mention Jack you did a match reaction after the Leeds game well worth subscribe to see your your weekly views on, on Fulham yeah uh, people might say you only upload when we win because I haven't actually uploaded since our last victory against Swansea but um, sometimes you feel a little bit uh, demotivated after a horrendous Fulham it's like the worst chant isn't it yeah. upload when you win yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. well do check out the YouTube your channel your is Tony Khan the only post when we win yeah apparently uh, yeah do check out the YouTube channel if you want to see Jack's reactions when we win football matches um, let's have a quick look at Luton on uh, Boxing Day I was going to give the day of the week Thursday, Thursday. No one knows what the day of the week is. No one ever when, knows. When it comes to Christmas. Uh, we're off to Kenilworth Road. It's an awfully long time since we've been there, Guy. And they've not actually had as good a season back in the championship as I think a lot of people thought Luton might have. They absolutely stormed League One last year and, and, and fought off some big clubs to get promotion alongside Barnes. You know, Portsmouth, Sunderland, all snapping out their heels, but it was Luton who just went on this incredible run in League One. And I think a lot of people thought, you know, with a good atmosphere at Kenilworth Road, feel-good factor around the club, they might come into this league and, and hold their own. They had a half-decent start, but it it's really fallen away uh, of late. And I might have said at the beginning of the season, this will be a really, really tough test, and I think it will, but certainly it's not a terrible time to be facing them on the whole. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they did go through... Last season, they went through a couple of managers, didn't they, and managed to keep their winning run going. And um, this year, they got their record signing with Sluga, their goalkeeper. And when you make a record signing a goalkeeper and he fails to perform as drastically as this man has, that can only, you know, um, dent the confidence of, I guess, the board and the fans as well. Um, But I guess it just shows you 
even the gap between League One and the Championship, you know, because we always go about the Championship and Premier League getting bigger, League One and the Championship is getting bigger as well. Like, if we talk about how allegedly Mitrovic is being paid more than the entire Barnsley squad per week and by extension some other clubs yeah. um, that just shows you the the wealth gap <laughs> and we really need to um, you know stamp our authority and just win basically it's, it's that simple I'm afraid yeah fascinating article um, in The Athletic written by our friends at Not The Top 20 podcast about that chasm between league one and the championship which i would argue guy i think you're correct is is arguably greater than the gap between the premier league and and the championship now and those sides coming into this league it's it's a huge huge challenge i mean jack luton's recent results um haven't been good as i mentioned they lost one nil to swansea on saturday um, at home they went up to preston and lost 2-1 no shame in that i guess if you look at it from a fulham perspective got battered 3-0 by stoke uh, a couple of weeks ago picked up a huge win though a few games ago against wigan which has just about kept their heads above water they are 21st they're one point outside the relegation zone but they were a tough test for us when they came down to the cottage a few weeks ago and and had they nicked a draw out of that game, I wouldn't have begrudged them it. I thought they were actually pretty good. And it was just the excellence of Mitrovic that was the difference between ourselves and them on the day. Yeah, if it wasn't for Mitrovic, we probably would have drawn that game or, or not got the three points. I think they've got some good players. They've got um, Callum McManaman, Izzy Brown, um, James Collins, Ryan Tunnicliffe. So, I mean, Luton really did impress me when they came up uh, in that opening game against Middlesbrough the three all draw although the keeper made a couple of howlers they played really well with high intensity high energy and got a good result against the Middlesbrough side who I thought were going to be much better than they are this season under Woodgate anyway that's a different point I think that Luton at home Boxing Day it could be quite tricky they'll probably um, start pretty well they'll probably press us quite high and we've got to kind of deal with that um, but I fully expect us to take the momentum from Saturday into these next three games. Like I said earlier, I'm minimum seven points um, from these games. And I think Luton should be a win if we've got everyone singing the same songs. Ben, you're off to Kenilworth Road. Are you looking forward to it? I am looking forward to it, uh, despite what I said to Jack and Guy beforehand. Uh, I am actually quite looking forward to going down there. It's uh, a ground I've been to a few times in, over the past few seasons. One of my best mates is a is a Luton season ticket holder. Okay, so I have been there. It's a different atmosphere um, when you're sat in the away end, for sure. It's uh, very. It can be quite hostile at times, I'd say. And it's quite a, a very small, very old ground, and you have to walk between two gardens to get in into the away end. It's it really is that old, but. Luton, I think th- at home they're a bit of a different proposition. The, the pitch that they've got really sort of levels the playing field a little bit and it's quite open. So if you get a day where it's not so nice, I think the playing field could be leveled quite significantly. But I, I've got all confidence in us going in there and, and getting a, a very well-earned win. Um, from my of, uh, seeing of Luton on the telly in Kenilworth Road... The side stand that effectively looks like a conservatory yep. that isn't a stand at all. It's, it's not just, a stand at all. It's no. just executive boxes, which is, yeah. I've never quite seen anything like that. I can't think of another stadium that doesn't have a side stand, like not even like a, a couple of hundred in there. Yeah, like yeah, they've got nothing there. It's literally just those con- those conservatory boxes, and they've had to put in a gantry above the top now to film from a different angle to comply with Championship viewing regulations. So they wow. spent they spent the best part of a million pounds doing up their their ground to put the electronic scoreboards in the gantry and something else. I think it's like more um, gap for fire exits or something like that. Okay, wow. 
So yeah, they spent a lot, a lot of the money they got from coming up from League One into the Championship on doing those ground enhancements, and obviously and potentially a, a new ground uh, on the way in it's the next coming, few yeah. years. So especially if either Luton go down or fingers crossed, it's because Fulham go up. It could be a, a last opportunity to to go to to Kenilworth Road, especially um, to see Fulham. I mean, they've had a meteoric rise. They were in non-league. Um, what less than five years ago? Yeah, they were in non-league about about five years ago. Yeah, and then uh, they came up to League Two and then got a double promotion up into into the Championship. But essentially, what they were doing is when they were in League Two, they were playing a lot of people Championship style wages um, in League Two, and it eventually got them into League One. And then again, they invested quite heavily and got up into the Championship. And to be fair to them, they've got a, a core of a very good team in a in addition to Izzy Brown and Callum McManaman, they've got James Collins, who's now capped by Ireland. Um, and I've won the fake Collins that thinks he's from Ireland, but isn't. Yeah, um, and then, yeah, they've just got, um, there's, they've got a guy called uh, Pelly Ruddock and Panzu, who's been with them ever since the, he, he was played with them in the conference first time round. Uh, who's definitely worth a look. And I think Luton would have been a different proposition this year had they managed to keep hold of both of their fullbacks, who James Justin went to Leicester and Jack Stacey went off to Bournemouth. And they haven't really replaced them. Um, they got a guy on loan from Everton whose name I can't remember, but it's definitely not Mason Holgate. It's the other one. Um, and then their, their left back. Um, yeah, it's not as, not as good as the two that departed. Well, um I assume we would like to see a similar looking lineup on Jack to the one that started against Leeds. Now, read and read it back. I can't envisage too many changes. Adoy, I believe, still suspended uh, for this one. This will be the last match of his suspension. So, do you reckon it could be an unchanged eleven for for, for Thursday? Yeah, I think. It, I think it be. I think it would be unchanged. I couldn't really think of any standout changes you would make. Um, you could maybe put your Hanson in, but on a mile probably warrants a start um, and I don't see Knockhart getting in this team or Kamara at the moment because Bobby Reed is just one of the best players in the league at the moment exactly right uh, let's do some questions um, hopefully we'll have a podcast out after the looting game and before the Stoke game but obviously I'm sure you'll uh, forgive us that at Christmas trying to get podcasts recorded isn't always the simplest thing but we will try and get some reaction to the Luton game uh, one way or another um, this one, first of all, from Matt Wall. Which players do you expect to be moved on in this window? And will Matt O'Reilly ever play? Um, that's an interesting one. <laughs> Maybe Steven Sess out on loan. Um, although he, he did come on at left wing in the final few minutes against Leeds, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he <laughs> so that was bizarre. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he might do well with some game time elsewhere. Um if if not, um, I don't know. Maybe even Bessinelli because he he's at that point in his career where he, he'll want to be playing, and it doesn't look like he's going to get back into our team anytime soon. So those are the only two that I could think of. Bets with a recall option, maybe because then you've got Magnus Norman as a, a goalkeeping option in case Rodak got injured or more likely sent off again. Um, <laughs> but maybe bets with a recall option of wherever he goes out on loan, we can say. He can come back. Maybe, maybe good for all parties. Um, any, any other thoughts on that question? Really, I, I don't really see many one. people leaving. Do you? No, I don't see that many people leaving other than other than Betts. I think you're bang on. And maybe Cabano. Yeah, but he's had a resurgence of late. I still stand by. He was the wrong winger that we kept. We should have kept Florida Aite, but this is for another pod. 
This one from Louis Kenwell. Canwell, sorry. Another goal stemming from our left-hand side. Thoughts on Hector and Mawson pairing up against Villa? Well, I don't know why he wouldn't even start against Reading, but let's say early January, Jack. Do you think that that... I think it's inevitable that Hector's going to come in. Is it Ream that's going to go? I don't know. It's tricky. I think it probably would be just because we've conceded so many goals in that area of the pitch. Um, but I wouldn't put Hector in. I'd put him in for the cup game here against Villa just to see how he does play. Maybe Matt O'Reilly can um, can start as well um, in that cup game, but I, I don't think he would. Uh, this one next from Jason Atkins, who I would guess is in Australia with the Amer- Australian flag emoji next to his name. Uh, I'd much rather be there for Christmas. Actually, some people prefer a cold Christmas. Anyone else in this camp? Well, half Australia's on fire, so I'm not sure you actually want to be there right now. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Thanks, guy. <laughs> right, Jason. Boxing Day test would be good, though. Uh, is it me, or did the pen just save our season, given that I felt Leeds were close to scoring before that point? How important is it for us to win these next two? Nothing less? Obviously, nothing less than two wins, but I think to say it saved our season may be a little bit of an exaggeration. Um, I think like regardless if they were going to score or not we're always capable of getting one one goal back and even with that penalty being saved or missed or what have you we would still be comfortably in and around the playoff spots with half a season to go I, I don't know I feel like a, f- a few of the fans on Twitter obviously doesn't include uh, this chap have been a bit radical in what they're saying like writing the season off when we've got 24 games to go, or 23 games to go still firmly in the top half of the table with, with lots of points to play for it's still fairly open it's only around about February March time that we should be worried about season being written off uh, this one from Nathan Lines heard someone in the Hammersmith end describe Joe Bryan as the best left back in the league what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, again, he's someone who's come, for, come in for a lot of stick over the past few weeks, isn't he? Particularly with this whole left side kind of <laughs> um, debate that's going on. Uh, I think my, my opinion on him is that he should be offering more, um, but not necessarily that he's a bad player as a result of what he's doing, you know? Because I look at his time at Bristol City and he scored from fullback, played in left wing and like um, showed why he, he could have been considered back then as one of the best players in the championship. Uh, best fullbacks in the championship um, so I, I just think he needs to offer more basically and I think that it hasn't helped in his time here he has always seems to have had a few niggly kind of injuries going on he's just come back from one um, I think yeah it, again like with Onoma we can't write him off yet at all indeed and also I don't think it's often always Joe Bryan's fault the fact that he is the only person on the entire left-hand side of the pitch Well, no, sometimes. You're, you're completely right. Um, he's often left so exposed by his wingers, especially if he plays with knockout, who just seems to wander off anywhere. Down the shops, probably, I don't know, into, <laughs> into the stands, I don't know. It, I also believe there's something fundamentally wrong with the way that we press and structure the team when we're out of possession, because if you look at the way we were trying to press leads and they were passing through us. We've also seen the same with Brentford um, and, and countless other teams. When when we try and press high, we're so easy to play through because we it's not like we press in pairs or threes like many other teams will do. We press individually and it just doesn't work. If you're one guy that's trying to press a, a like a, a one-two or a three or a very condensed area, you're just going to get passed around. It just fundamentally doesn't work. And I start to wonder if 
maybe that is something we need to look at. And there was a great thread um, on Twitter on the morning of the game, uh, written stat- by think, written by a Leeds fan. Yeah, all stats are we. Yep, it's retweeted on Fulhamish. E- excellent, excellent thread, and, and a great blog post as well to go with it. And they highlight all the problems that they had with our passing, uh, with our pressing. Sorry, and the left hand side of the pitch. We're so lopsided. We're so lopsided, and it's just become apparent recently. I think Joe Bryan does get a lot of flack, and obviously, yeah, he's he's a quality left back, but you know, you can't be quality all the time if you're constantly exposed. Well, maybe Hector coming back and being able to be on the right hand side of a centre back pairing with Mawson, then able to go over to his more natural preferred left hand side. I'd like to see if that is the answer at first maybe we are five games in try that and actually we realize no this is something more fundamental at play here but i mean you're saying bringing in hector just for the cup game i'd start why 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 are we waiting we've got a game against reading on the first he's had four months to build up (laughs) to it he's like if he's not ready for the reading game he'll never be ready for a football match in his life, he's been kicking a ball against a wall at Motspur Park since <laughs> since the end of August. I, I I don't know. I don't know if I agree that he should wait till the cup game. You just wonder about his match sharpness a little bit, don't you? Although he's had four months out, he, he, he's only been playing in training and you, you never train at 100% unless you're Anthony Knockhart. And then you, <laughs> then you come to the weekend, you're knackered. A <laughs> um, couple more less serious questions here. Um, Felix Nielsen, are we the team in the league that knee slides most often? Do love a knee slide, and Josh Onomer is now fully in that in, in that class of knee slide. I feel like he's got a little way to go before he can eclipse Tom Kearney in the knee slide stakes, though. Well, it's quite funny with, as Ben mentioned, Onomer's knee slide was ten out of ten, and it it carried on into the little astroturf for the pitch, didn't it? And I was thinking, <laughs> I, was, I was worried for his knees a little bit. <laughs> it's going to graze up. But um, yeah, it, it, it's not just Fulham. It seems like world football is the go-to celebration, isn't it? Which is... I think the Craven Cottage pitch is so watered though that maybe it makes the, the knee slide lubrication uh, <laughs> just a, a, a little bit easier. I think Joe Bryan did one of the best knee slides after his goal against, against Wigan. Wigan. Oh yeah. Um, we are knee slide FC. Yeah. <laughs> it looked a bit like Chowler and Joey and friends when they come in on the swan into the flat, if anyone knows that famous oh, yeah, episode. Yeah. Of, uh, just with the, with the arms aloft. Uh, there was uh, shakes of the head from all in the room that aren't familiar <laughs> with that particular episode of Friends. I'm sure someone listening will appreciate it though. Um, and this one from Jason, if you could re-sign one transfer slash loan from the promotion winning season, who would it be? This can be anyone who is now not at the club. I don't feel like there's a huge amount of options on this, but anyone that was in the promotion winning side that's not at Fulham now, who would you re-have? I Fredericks. feel like... Yeah, you've got Fredericks, you've got Target, you've got Norwood. Callas. Callas. I would hardly say he was a mainstay, though, Piazon. but yes, he does fit in. Piazon. Aite. Yes, good shouts. Well, I think we know where Ben's heart lies on this one. Um, you've said about three people. Discuss. Right, you've only got one. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for Thomas Callas, I think. I think that's the incorrect answer. <laughs> of course I mean, he, wasn't good enough. he wasn't good enough then though was no, but I, prone. he was he good enough now yeah I, I don't know I, yeah but that's because Adoy turned into prime Cannavaro and we haven't seen that since so I, I don't know I, I, I agree like, to disagree on that I feel like <laughs> I feel like Callas would, would give us something a little bit more at centre half 
Jack? I would take Ryan Fredericks just for that pace and blistering pace. He, 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 go, he has and he can just whip balls into the box, be it not very good at times. I mean, I'm surprised you didn't say Fredericks, Ben, seeing as you tweeted. Was my tweet on, from earlier. On, yeah. uh, was it literally yesterday? No, it's just this morning. A, a photo of him saying, miss you, XO. Yeah, he's obviously in your head. <laughs> <laughs> right, Guy, this is the one uh, we all want to hear. You said no to Callas. Who are you going for? Oh, it has to be Fredericks. Um, and if he didn't specify they can't set up the club, I would have said Mitch Fitch in January again. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> My only one, I, I think Fredericks is the answer. Ollie Norwood. Ollie Norwood. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has been a revelation since joining, and I think he was such an underappreciated part. And actually, given the injury crisis that we had, he could definitely have, have done a job in the middle of the park over the past few weeks. Just what a wonderful player to have. I mean, yes, some of the Hollywood passes got a bit much at times, but yeah, I, I would have... I think that was one of the biggest mistakes of last summer's transfer window was just not taking the ridiculously easy option to to, to keep him on the it's books. It's not like they even wanted that much for him, was it? No. I don't think I don't think it was even double figures in terms of million. Well, I reckon you could have bought about 15 Frank Zambo Angises with the money that it would have cost for <laughs> for for Ollie Norwood, who's having a stormer of the season by the way. I don't know if you I don't know if you saw Angises run from this weekend. Yeah, it was it was on Twitter, um, but he, it was just incredible. Um, basically, runs half the pitch through two banks of four and sets up a goal for VRL. He's doing really well out there. Well, if we get promoted, we at least know we've got an absolute banging player to come uh, <laughs> uh, back into the side. Well, that is all for the Fulhamish podcast today, a Christmas Eve Eve edition of the show. As I mentioned earlier, uh, we will attempt to get a podcast out between Luton and Stoke. There isn't a massive amount of time for us to record one, so at the very least, we'll do one after Stoke. But I am hopeful that in some way, there will be some content uh, after that Luton match. Um, all that we need to do, Ben, is name today's episode what you going for I'm going to go from the one from Fulham DSA who said marching onama together yeah it was very very nice uh, big up the Fulham DSA we uh, had them on the show earlier this season uh, and they do great work and but probably their the most notable achievement to date is getting one of their three word reviews to name the podcast I imagine <laughs> it will go down uh, on their website on their Twitter bio and firmly in their history right uh, Guy Barlow thank you very much thank you very much thank you Jack Kelly thanks very much and thank you Ben Jarman cheers Sam a very Merry Christmas to you all and we'll see you after Luton come on you whites you whites you whites you whites